Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today. I'm Ron Horniker. I'm part of the staff here, part-time. I'm the Minister of Counseling. Our pastor, Dr. Kirby Kennedy, has taken today as a personal day for he and his wife, and so he is away, and he's asked me to fill in for him this morning, and it is my privilege to do that. The title of this morning's sermon is, We Have Help. And the passage comes from 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 4, which I will read for us in just a moment. As we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that indeed you are a God who comes to us in the midst of our life circumstances and that you want to help. I pray that you would use this passage this morning as we reflect upon it to understand in a clearer way how you want to do that and what that might mean for our individual lives. So bless this time together and use the words from scripture and the words I'm about to speak in a way that would honor you and be a blessing to others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Try to imagine what it must be like to have been one of these three believers during this past year. On her birthday, a mother learned that her 26-year-old son had been murdered in another city out of state. Forever, her birthday will be marked by that event. Or consider the father who found his four-week-old son in his crib, dead, not breathing, from SIDS. Imagine how his mind will return again and again and again to that discovery. Finally, there is the 48-year-old man who learned that his wife, who had gone into the hospital with COVID and was making good progress, had died as a result of the disease. And then a few weeks later, his adult son was seriously injured in a vehicle accident that resulted in a concussion, uh, broke many broken bones, and all kinds of difficulties in recovery. How would you like to be in that man's shoes? But it's been that kind of year for all of us, hasn't it? Not just for believers, but for everyone as well. And yet the experience of these three do not begin to include all the challenges that many of us have faced in recent months as we've dealt with health issues, financial concerns, care of loved ones, and you fill in the blank. But now you may be thinking, gee whiz, why did I tune in to listen to this guy talk about all these negative things? Well, in contrast to the bleak and discouraging incidents I've just shared, I want to call your attention to a wonderful promise of assurance and affirmation that I'm hoping when we finish this morning will result in your having a much greater sense of hope and encouragement. It is a promise I would want to share with those three individuals that I mentioned earlier. It's contained in Paul's letter, second letter to the Corinthians. I'd like for you to listen to those words in light of the life situations I've just described. 
Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I want you to notice two very significant truths in that passage, and that's where we'll focus this morning. First, note the promise. Note the provision that the scripture contains. The promise is that of comfort. Four times Paul uses that word in the space of those two verses. However, for those who are hurting and those who are in the midst of all kinds of life crises and difficult times, that word may seem somewhat empty and inadequate. What the word conveys for most is rather vague and amorphous, without form and without specificity. So let's see if we can do something to clarify what Paul intended by his use of those words. You remember Jesus last night with his disciples in the upper room? It's contained in John's Gospel in the 14th chapter. He made a promise to his disciples. He said he would not leave them comfortless. He would not leave them fatherless. He would not leave them as orphans, as translated in the New, England, New International Version. Rather, he said he would ask the Father, and the Father would give him another advocate. That's the NIV translation. For those of us who grew up with the King James and the Revised Standard Version, the words for us, as we recall them, were comforter or counselor. Jesus said that the Father would be asked to provide another comforter, another counselor to be with them forever. What I find revealing about this is that the Greek word that is used in that promise in John's Gospel and the word used for comfort in the words that Paul uses all come from the same word. The promised comforter in John's gospel is the embodiment of the comfort of which Paul spoke. The word speaks of a legal assistant, of one who helps to plead one's case, an advocate. <coughs> Excuse me. It suggests someone who is called near to one's side to offer assistance. This idea of comfort is not just a matter of easing one's grief or sorrow or pain, although that certainly is involved, but it's also about giving strength and hope and enabling one to persevere. So you see, that same comfort, that same support, that same presence that Jesus promised his disciples is the comfort of which Paul speaks in this passage. But notice the passage goes even further. It says this comfort is for us in all our troubles. He doesn't say certain of our troubles. He doesn't say in some of our troubles, but in all of our troubles, nothing is excluded. Further, that word troubles includes anything, anything that stands in the way of our mental and emotional being, well-being. It includes the suffering that comes from the press, pressure of adverse circumstances, such as the three individuals I mentioned at the beginning are experiencing. It includes the grief and concern that comes 
with the death of a loved one, a health crisis, um, or being the victim of someone's ill intent. Additionally, it includes the struggles that sometimes are involved in relationships within families, within a marriage, and between friends and co-workers, as well as any other crises that you might be encountering. What I understand this passage to mean is that regardless of our troubles, regardless of our struggles, regardless of our losses, we can find comfort and strength in the recognition that we are not alone. We have help. We have someone who desires to come along beside us to be an advocate and to give us support and strength that we need in order for us to move forward. The one who does that understands our needs and is willing to be with us regardless of the circumstances. One commentator put it like this, he is a God who bestows comfort adequate for every need. A young family with a small boy lived next door to an elderly couple. Little Johnny asked his mother if he could go next door and visit with Mr. Smith, who was sitting out on his front porch, having recently lost his wife. The mother gave permission, and the little boy went, and he was gone a surprisingly long time. When he returned, his mother, out of curiosity, asked him what he and Mr. Smith had talked about or what they had done. And Johnny replied, oh, we didn't do or say anything. I just crawled up on his lap and helped him cry. Isn't that a beautiful human picture of what God desires to be to us and to do for us? Except in this case, he wants to hold us as we cry and as we struggle to help us to recognize we are not alone. This is the comfort God gives. This understanding of the promised comfort brings us to the second truth of this passage that I want us to grasp. Did you hear what Paul said was a part of the reason that God provides this comfort for us? Listen to what he says. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to underline those words so that God's purpose in providing this type of comfort and this type of presence and this type of relief of which I've attempted to describe is not just because we are his children. It's not just to help us out with whatever struggles we're dealing with. But he gives us that comfort to provide us with that which we can share with others in the midst of their difficult circumstances. And is that not the pattern of scripture? God gives to his people. He blesses them so that they in turn can give to others and be a blessing to them. Do you remember God's word to Abraham at the beginning of Israel's journey? He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing. And is that not his intent for us each and every day? As we receive from him, we are in turn to give and share with others. So my purpose in the sermon is twofold. It is to remind us of that comfort and presence and support that God promises to us 
in the midst of life's difficult circumstances. But I also want us to focus on how we can be an instrument or the means of conveying that comfort to others. That comfort may come to us in various means. It may come through the reading of scriptures. It may come through personal prayer, public worship. It may come through devotional readings, any number of ways. But I have a hunch that most generally, for all of us, the most intimate and personal way that comfort comes is through our interaction with other individuals. Stop and think about when you have faced difficult times. A health crisis, a terminal disease for a loved one, the loss of a spouse, an unwanted divorce, a child making bad decisions that puts him or her in jeopardy and puts us in a position of trying to determine how best to support the child without being enabling. In those situations, what have you longed for? What have you found helpful? My hunch is that the help you have sought and the support you have received likely came from another individual or individuals. In some cases, it may have been from someone who had gone through a similar type of experience that you were experiencing. In other, case, other cases, it may have been a close friend who was willing simply to be present, to listen, and not try to provide answers. It may have been a pastor or a spiritual advisor who helped you to get a different perspective on what you were dealing with. But somehow, somehow through those caring persons, God enabled you to find support and caring and the encouragement you needed to get through the crisis or to manage it. I was talking this past week with an individual who is participating in a grief share group being offered by a church here in the valley. He said he sometimes gets something out of the videos that are shown at each conference. He's not yet done much with the manual that he's purchased, which is a part of the grief share process. For him, the most meaningful part of the evening, that which has offered the greatest help and healing has been listening to and interacting with the other persons in that room who are struggling with many of the same things he's struggling with, experiencing similar hurts, and who are walking a similar journey. And that's been my own experience in the grief groups I have led. Some of the information about grief has been helpful in gaining a perspective or an understanding of what's going on with the individual. However, what I've observed and what participants have told me is that what is most meaningful and most helpful is the bonding that occurs among the participants as they each share their hurts and their struggles and as they recognize they are not alone in their pain. And in that process, they experience God's comfort and they begin to find healing. Isn't that exactly what this scripture is seeking to convey? We are comforted often by and through others so that we can comfort others with the comfort we have experienced. Eugene Peterson in his modern language translation called The Message, 
grasp the intent of the passage, I think, with this translation. He, that is God, comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times. So we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. Do you recognize how instrumental you can be in becoming God's instrument of comfort and caring of how much God wants to work through you to touch others who are in need? When you make those Samaritan visits, when you make those phone calls to those who are homebound or struggling, when you make those visits to persons in care facilities or those cards you send out, you are God's instrument of caring and concern. You are his instrument of comfort. When you sit with a friend who's lost a loved one, when you are listening a listening ear to someone who needs to talk, when you reach out to offer help in a way that is, that is available for you, you are God's instrument of caring and concern. You are his instrument of comfort. And on and on I could go. We saw that happening this, in the past few weeks with one of our members who had a major health crisis. Some of her brothers and sisters in Christ, some of those from this church, some from other churches, stepped up and did for her what she could not do for herself. And the anxiety and uncertainty about what she was to do and how she was going to manage this situation was removed. And she felt immensely grateful and blessed. As though God had intervened. And now she's happily situated in a place that is safe and right for her. Does this not speak to us about what the church is to be about? We're not only to be about spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary for sins, but as a community of faith, we are to be instruments of providing comfort and care and current concern and encouragement, support for one another and for others as well. And it's my conviction that doing that opens the door to our sharing of ourselves and the gospel message in a way that others will more readily hear what we have to say. So this message is about remembering God's promise to come along inside us to be a source of aid and strength. He is that source of help. <clears throat> and the message is about challenging each of us to be instruments of that comfort, being one through whom his spirit can work to meet needs. Perhaps we can see the importance of our efforts through the experience of a floral sales clerk and her impact on a young man's life. Douglas was a 15-year-old from the St. Louis area. For several days, he'd been running a fever and experienced flu-like symptoms that just continued to linger and he couldn't shake them. Finally, his mother took him to a hospital in St. Louis and he was diagnosed as having leukemia. As the doctors sat with him to tell him of his condition and what he might expect in terms of the disease and treatment over the next three years, they told him that how the chemo would affect him 
that he probably would go bald, that his body would likely bloat. They were very stark in what they described. They didn't sugarcoat anything. Well, not surprisingly, Douglas went into a pretty significant depression, anticipating what lay ahead. In an act of caring, an aunt uh, called a floral shop and ordered an arrangement of flowers in an attempt to try to cheer him up. And placing the order, she shared with the clerk that the flowers were for her teenage nephew who had just been diagnosed with leukemia. Well, the flowers arrived along with a card from his aunt, and Douglas was likely very, was understandably quite grateful and appreciative. But then he saw a second card. And on this second card was this note. Douglas, I took the order for your flowers. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm now 22. Good luck. My heart goes out to you, sincerely. And the clerk had signed her name. The effect on Douglas was immediate. His demeanor changed. His face lit up. Now he had an element of hope. Here he was in a hospital with millions of dollars of equipment being treated by some of the best doctors and nurses available. But it was a sales clerk in a flower shop who took the time to care and share out of her own experience that most impacted Douglas and gave him the will to carry on. In this case, she was his means of comfort. May it be so with us. Will you pray with me? Father, for your tender mercies, for your limitless compassion, for your constant presence that provides us with divine comfort. For all these, we give you thanks. Having recognized those anew this morning, sensitize us to the many ways in which we can be the instruments of that comfort for others in need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This one who is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort wants to have a personal relationship with each and every one of us. So, if you do not have that relationship, I'd like to invite you to contact the church office sometime this week and to let them know that you want to know more about how to do that and someone will contact you and help you to understand how that relationship can be yours. Or perhaps you've had that relationship in the past but it's become distant over the years because of various and sundry circumstances, maybe some of those unfortunate circumstances of which I've spoken. Perhaps God's Spirit is speaking to you this morning about the need to renew that relationship. Again, if that's the case, please contact the church office and we'd be glad to have an opportunity to talk with you about that. Thanks again for sharing with us in this worship time together this morning.